Hey gamers, this is Joe from What I'm Playing Now, and I have episode 149 of the podcast that was originally recorded on February 19th of 2017. Some of the games I played this week, played a little Final Fantasy trading card game, a little real-time strategy game called Codex, some tiny epic western, I revisited some Persona 4 Golden, which I have not played in many years. I also played a little solitaire game on my phone called Solitarica. I also talked about a few of the games that I want to play. Enjoy the episode. Hey gamers, welcome to the games. This is Joe Luzzi from What I'm Playing Now and welcome to another episode of the What I'm Playing Now podcast. We are currently on episode 149, and I would like to apologize for missing last week, but I did have the flu, so there was pretty much no way I was going to be able to record. I'm still trying to kind of get over the cold that I had. Hopefully, I can use my pause button here and pretty much omit all of the coughing that I'm currently doing, and that will not come through on the podcast. Hey, as always, send me some emails. Let me know what you're playing now. You can send those emails to... What I'm playing now at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Board Game Geek. We have a guild there. Stop over there for some conversations. We are guild number 2440. On Twitter, you can follow me at What I'm Playing Now. On Facebook, just do a search for What I'm Playing Now. Our Google Plus page is plus.google.com slash the plus sign What I'm Playing Now podcast. And then, as always, our Twitch channel is twitch.tv slash What I'm Playing Now. All right, let's jump into a few of the things I played in the past couple of weeks. One of the first things I had played when I had gone down to my local game store, I believe it was almost probably two Mondays ago now, uh, my buddy Eric and I got together. We played a couple of card games, and one of the first ones that we played was the Final Fantasy trading card game. This game from looking at Board Game Geek, it looks like it's actually been out since around 2011. I don't think too much of that has been distributed over in the U.S. until recently, and so it's he's a big Final Fantasy fan. It seems that if you're a Final Fantasy fan, you'll probably like this game. Uh, we were having some conversations on uh, one of the Facebook groups about this. And it's, it's I guess you could say, just another Magic clone, it, which most kind of trading card games have been since, you know, pretty much the early 90s since Magic was released. And the the whole basis of the game is to be able to play the cards. You're actually discarding other cards from your hand to be able to get um, currency to be able to bring other characters into play. You're basically just trying to give the other player, I think it's like seven wounds or something like that, which are cards that will be set off to the side of the table when damage is taken. And it's that's kind of like the gist of the whole game. Um, the card art is actually really good, I will say. If you're a fan of the IP of Final Fantasy, you'll probably like the game for what it is. It seems that there are both normal cards as well as hologram cards. So if you're going to be collecting this one, um, may, one thing, it seems that it's uh, very hard to get your hands on some of this stuff. I know Eric's been having a heck of a time trying to get uh, boxes of this stuff in. He's basically just been limited, I think, to purchasing packs right now. And I believe even some of the stores, some of the local um, game stores are actually limiting how many packs you can purchase at any one time because they're trying to actually keep an inventory of the stuff in and not just having one person come in and buy all their booster boxes so more people can actually get their hands on the game so maybe an actual scene can possibly start up in the area. I don't know if that will happen or not. There's there's so many card games and Magic has such an entrenched foothold within the gaming community 
any of the other card games, I think, will just be completely niche games. But, uh, there, you know, Final Fantasy is a pretty decent IP. It is pretty big. There's a lot of people out there that like it. So, you know, if there is a card game that could possibly get a little bit of a following, you know, Final Fantasy might be able to. I wasn't very impressed with the whole with the whole card game mechanics and everything, as well as the as how how the gameplay was. I I just didn't care for having to discard cards out of my hand to get currency to be able to bring other ones in. After we got a few games in, we started to figure out some of the different combos that were in the starter decks that we were actually using. And I, I think the game might play a little bit better with more of a tune deck than just the straight starter decks we were playing with. Um, any card game will definitely play better that way. Uh, but like I said, if you're into Final Fantasy, you'll probably like the game. So if you can find it, maybe go look for it and give it a shot. Um, but this will be something I'm trying to stay away from collectible games. So this will be one that I hate to say that I will probably be passing on myself. I will probably be playing it whenever Eric needs an opponent and wants to get in a few games. I told him I'll be more than happy to sit down and play a few card games with him. But I don't know if this will be something that will be played on a weekly basis for us. So Final Fantasy card game, if you're interested in that one, if you can get your hands on it, good luck. Check it out. One of the next ones that we played was a little card game called Codex. This was on Kickstarter. This game's kind of interesting. It's actually taking the real-time strategy game, kind of like the genre from the computer, and if you're not familiar with these types of games, these games are going to be something like a World of Warcraft, or not World of Warcraft, but basically Warcraft, the original Warcraft, or Starcraft, those types of games, basically where you're having a group of kind of like peons who are going out collecting resources. You're then building bases and buildings, which are going to give you different bonuses throughout the game. You're recruiting different types of people for attacking and stuff like this. It's kind of turning those types of computer games into a card game type format. And I will say that Codex actually does a very good job of bringing that type of genre and that type of feel into a card game. So when you're starting out the game, each player is going to start out with so many peons who are producing gold each round. I believe the first player starts out with four. The second player starts out with five, I think is how it goes. And everybody's going to have different codexes. The codexes are going to consist of multiple cards that you're going to be recruiting throughout the game by using this money that you can purchase or by using the money to purchase those cards. And you're going to, it's, it's almost like a deck builder because what you're doing is you're picking the cards you want to come into your deck, which will then get kind of like shuffled in at a later time, um, you know, once your deck is depleted, kind of just like a normal deck builder. But there's kind of a different aspect with the game going because you're not only, you, you have a boss character which has different powers, which is going to be one of the main things you're probably going to be attacking with. And the goal of the game is to destroy your opponent's main fortress, their main building. And you can actually protect your building with these characters that you're recruiting. So you have a row a row on the board in front of you, kind of like a tableau, that you're going to be able to recruit characters into, which is almost like kind of like a defensive shield. And anytime the opponent wants to attack you, anybody anybody that you have in like this defensive shield area in that location, they will need to go through them first before actually being able to attack your buildings, any of your buildings, or your main building that you may have there. 
And like I said, it kind of like brings in that whole real-time strategy type of genre from the computer into a card format. And they actually did, I think they did a pretty damn good job of it. I mean, it was really interesting the way the game played out. Um, it was our first time playing it. So we sat there with the rolls. We were flipping through, you know, the rolls quite a bit, trying to figure everything out. But once we got through the first couple of turns, we both kind of saw kind of like how things were starting to work out. And the game actually wasn't that hard after that. Now, we were also only playing with one codex. A lot of times, I believe you can play a normal game. You're going to be using up to three different colors in your codex, which is going to give you a much more robust choice of combinations you can probably pull off. I know that once I got, you know, several turns in, I was starting to finally just get a better understanding of all my cards by reading them a couple of times and starting to see which cards were starting to work together to kind of give you some interesting combinations and everything. And towards the end, I was trying to start pulling off some some of those pretty good combos, but some of the cards I really didn't pull into the game early enough like I probably would have had I, had I known the cards a little bit better and the game a little bit better. But being the first time playing Codex, I really enjoyed it. We actually... Eric and I had actually talked about maybe playing this on Tabletopia because this is on Tabletopia, but we never had a chance to really get together on there. So he actually did a print and play. And I will say the print and play one, he did a great job um, with all of the cards and printing them out. And he had actually printed all the cards out and actually put them in um, sleeves with legendary backs to them. So it actually felt like you were playing with real cards and not just, you know, pieces of printed paper. So it actually felt like a really physical game when we were playing and not just an actual print and play like it was, but it's, it's a really cool game. And it was one that I definitely want to see um, brought to the table again and actually try to play maybe one with a few more codexes and try to play the more expanded style game to where we could possibly have more choices as we're pulling in some of those different cards into our decks. So if you ever have a chance to play Codex, definitely check this one out. It's really interesting. Uh, if you want to get everything for the game, it can be a little pricey. I think kind of like that deluxe kit can cost a couple hundred bucks, but it does come with a lot of binders and a bunch of additional other components to it than just some of the, the base cards that you really do need to play just the base game. But Codex, definitely cool. I had a great time with this one, and I'm definitely looking forward to playing that one again. And then last night, my wife and I actually sat down and both of us are finally getting over our colds and feeling a little bit better than we have been in the past week or so. And we actually got in a game finally of Tiny Epic Western. I picked this game up a couple weeks ago from the game store and just didn't actually have a chance to sit down and actually learn it or play it. But we watched watch it played, of course, and got a game in real quick. And then we actually watched the watch it played video one more time after we played it just to see if we had made any mistakes and surprisingly we actually didn't make any mistakes in this one while we played it it's it's a little confusing at first to get a few of the things down but once you kind of understand the different iconography that's in the game and as far as how your wild currency works when you're going into some of the different locations the game is actually an interesting little game i will say with just two people it seems like it's lacking a little bit and I kind of want to say that because it just doesn't seem like there was enough attacking going on between my wife and I because there were just enough different locations for us to go to to be able to get resources and not have to really fight over any of the locations to force us to do the duels like you would kind of expect in a three or four player game. So I think in that aspect, the game might be lacking a little bit when it comes to two people. I, we did do one duel once. And my wife had won that duel. So at the end of the game, she had the wanted card, which gave her an additional 
two victory points, and I believe our score was basically 16 to 20, and she had won. And mainly because she had gotten that wanted card for those two victory points, as well as one of the other locations, um, or one of the other areas that she was able to move along the board for scoring, she was able to get a couple more points there. But it was it seemed like our game was extremely close. And it was it was a good game, but like I said, I think this game would definitely play better with uh, three or four people. So I'm going to go through some of the kind of like rules real quick as far as how the game plays. So let's start off with that. So the gameplay is actually kind of simple. There's going to be six rounds to the game, and there's actually four different phases to each round. Uh, the first phase is going to be the shuffle and deal phase. This is where the person who has the first player token, the dealer token, is just going to collect up all the poker cards that have either been played before or if it's the first round, you're just going to shuffle up that card. You're going to put one of the cards in between each of the areas. So I believe there should be six cards that are in between the different areas. You're going to put one down as the rival. And then each person is going to get dealt two cards. Each player will choose one of those two cards to keep as their poker card. And after that, that's pretty much the end of that phase. That's pretty much probably the fastest phase of the game is actually the shuffle and deal phase. It's, it's actually a very easy phase. After that, you have phase two. You have your posse placement phase. This is the worker placement part of the game. This is where you're going to put your normally two workers, if you didn't purchase a building in, during the last round, or if you took the one area on the board where you were able to activate your third worker, you could essentially have a third worker to place, but normally you're going to be placing only two workers per turn, and you're going to be placing it on the different um, areas of the boards or the different cards to basically either get some resources or activate some sort of ability maybe during one of the later phases of the round. And that part is just a simple worker placement part of the game. If you're placing a worker on an exclamation point, you will get to instantly receive the rewards there. If you place your worker on the side where there's like a where there's an hourglass, you will actually be doing that action during the resolution phase. If you're placing a worker on the spot where there's a dollar sign, that will be done during the fourth round of the phase, which is the buy phase. So after everybody's placed their workers, you're going to move on to the phase three, which is resolution. If you actually place your worker on a spot where there is another worker um, from, from an opponent, uh, you will then do the duel. Each player will then just roll some dice. You're then going to get to modify those dice with um, either by re-rolling, by spending force or law. If you're the attacker, you're going to pay force. If you're the defender, you're going to pay law. You can also use your poker card to adjust your die roll accordingly. Either player can do that. The player with the higher score wins. If there is a tie, the attacker loses. So that's kind of interesting. The resolution phase is the third phase of the game. This is where you're going to pretty much resolve all of the hourglass symbols on the board. And this is where everybody's going to also reveal their poker card and go around the board to see who wins any of the jackpots that are at any of the different locations. So if you actually have a worker, there's a little spot on each, each of the different player boards, each of the different colored boards that will have some sort of reward that you can possibly get. Normally it's resources and you need the resources to buy buildings in the fourth phase, which is where you're going to be getting all your victory points from. 
During the resolution phase, everybody's going to look at their card and they're going to look at either of the car the cards to the two cards that are on either side of the building and that's going to give you your three-hand poker card and you're going to basically just see who has the best hand. So you're going to go for either a pair, three of a kind, a possible straight, a flush. There's also different suits rank suit rankings on the cards. And those suit rankings can also come into play. On the player board, they pretty much explain how to read the poker cards. So I'm not going to go into too much detail on that here because that's pretty much very straightforward. During the buy phase, everybody's going to, or all the players, I guess I, I will say, are going to compare their hands in against the town hall cards. And whoever has the best suit or the best hand there of poker will then get to go first during the buy phase. As far as buying buildings, you will be able to purchase a building that is at a location where you actually have a worker. And you will then put that building under your porch area, which will then be scored at the end of the game. After six rounds, what you're going to do is total up all of your building cards. You're going to total up all of your industry rankings. Whoever has the wanted card gets two extra points. And that is pretty much a gist of the whole game and how it's played. Like I said, the game wasn't too, too hard to figure out. There were a few things we had to look up um, in the rules as we played it just to get make sure we were kind of doing everything right. But after reading the rules one time and watching the Watch It Played video, we had a really good understanding of the game. Like I said... We watched the video a second time, and we actually had done everything correctly. It's one of the first times I think we've done that in a while where we haven't made at least one small mistake while playing the game. But I liked it. Like I said, I think it definitely needs three or four people. I think it's missing a little bit with two people. So not too sure the wife and I will be playing this one again, but I'll definitely be taking it down to the game store to see if I can get a few other people to try it to see how it will play with more people. But that's Tiny Epic Western. If you're into worker placement games and maybe a little bit of poker, Check that one out. Also, this past week while I was sick, one of the things I kind of started doing on Giant Bomb, one of the gaming websites that I um, tend to watch, um, listen to their podcasts, watch a bunch of their videos, I started watching their Persona, Persona 4 video that they had done years ago, and it's a video that I had just never watched of theirs. They actually did an actual playthrough of Persona 4 Gold, and I don't even know how many episodes there are. I think right now I'm on episode like 30 three or something of it, and I have a feeling it's going to go into the hundreds. But uh, Persona 4 Golden was a game, was one of the first games I actually picked up on my Vita probably three years ago, probably around the time I actually started the podcast, and I think I had talked about it back then. I hadn't really touched the game much since then. I was about maybe 70 hours into it, and then I kind of stopped playing. I was stuck in this one dungeon, so after watching them play it a little bit, I wanted to kind of revisit Persona 4 Golden a little bit, because I was kind of just had an itch to play like a JRPG here, and I pulled out my Vita the other day and sat down, figured out where I was in this dungeon, looked up a few things just to kind of help me get me through it, because it's been so long since I played it, I had to refresh myself with everything, figured out where I was in the dungeon, figured out what needed to be done, actually knocked that dungeon out, got past the mini-boss as well as the boss for that dungeon, finished it, saved the one character that I needed to save from being stuck inside the TV, and... I have a feeling I'm going to start getting back into Persona 4 Golden. I wouldn't mind playing this one every now and then because uh, it's actually a fun game, and I kind of wouldn't mind finishing it after all these years. It's a game that I always liked, and I just never really kind of picked it back up after I had set it down. Uh, I, 
also told my wife this was one of the games I think that I was playing when our one dog was sick years ago. So I think that's one of the reasons why I think after he had passed away, I kind of put the game down and just hadn't picked it up for about three years now. So that was a little odd playing that one, but I actually was having a pretty good time with it and, you know, was able to get through that dungeon and play a couple more um play play around with a couple more other days in the game and do a couple other things. So Persona of Four Golden is something I may start revisiting here and do a little bit more with. I also downloaded a little game that I had heard about on one of the podcasts on my phone called Solitarica. This is an interesting take on the Solitaire game in that it's kind of solitaire with a role-playing aspect, but it also has a roguelike aspect to it. So if you're not familiar with roguelike games, roguelike games and video games are going to be a game similar to something like um, like an FTL, um, Rogue Knight, and there's, there's just a whole list of these games that have been released over the past couple of years. And it's a game where you're going to make a run through some sort of dungeon or, you know, try to do some, try to achieve something. And when you die, you're basically going to restart over from the beginning. You normally don't get multiple lives. So these kind of games harken back to the early video games um, in the early arcade games you had back in the eighties and nineties and stuff where they were just trying to just get you to put all your quarters into the games. But it's a roguelike because you're with your one life. You're trying to just see how far you can get. And that's kind of what this game is, but in a solitaire aspect. In this game, you're going to be going up against different characters in the game, and you have different decks that you can purchase, and the decks can be like a fighter, a paladin, a thief. Um, I don't know if there's a magic user or not. I think there's a cleric. So there's different decks you can actually purchase, and the decks will allow you to do different abilities that you can um, get points for as you're going through the deck of cards and clearing out the cards from the solitaire row. So it's a really interesting concept of a game, and I've been kind of sitting there just screwing around with it on my phone as my wife and I have been sitting there watching TV at night. I'll just pull it up and just go through a couple of games. Um, I almost cleared out, like, made it through, like, the whole uh, second set of characters. So there's, like, three sets of characters to each of the different sections of the game, and you're trying to basically work your way into the castle and, I think, defeat this one final big boss. I think the most the most that I've cleared was like five or six in a row, which is probably like my longest um, goal so far. So it's interesting. It's fun. You can add to your deck of cards as you're going through and beating each different character that you're running against because you're going to be getting currency, which will allow you to do different things with the currency, purchase different cards. You can add to your deck um, after you're compl- after you die, you get these sort of gems, I guess, which you can buy other decks with, or actually add other cards to your deck, change the abilities that you have that uh, you're going to be playing with. So, Solitaire, it's a really interesting game. Um, I believe on the iPhone, it's a game you have to purchase. On Android, it's free, but it has ads. But if you pay like three ninety nine, you can get rid of the ads. So I did that real quick because I was just kind of tired of the videos popping up after each loss of a game. And that's Solitarica. So that was, like I said, that's kind of an interesting little game uh, take on Solitaire. Uh, All right, let's jump over to a few things that I want to play. One of the games that I wouldn't mind getting my hands on, um, if it is down at my local game store, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the board game. This is a co-op game. I know my wife doesn't like co-op games, but I'm a huge Buffy fan. I don't have any of the actual Buffy board games, so this new one that's just coming out right now, I may have to get. And my wife knows I'm a Buffy fan, so I have a feeling it will be a little easier for me to 
probably get her to play this one with me than um, most of the other co-op games since she's not a huge co-op fan. So if I do pick this one up, hopefully she will um, bless me with um, playing this since it is a co-op style game. But um, that's one game that I'm looking forward to. I also am getting in a couple of Kickstarters here shortly, which I believe a couple of them are currently in the mail being delivered to me now. Uh, the first one is Quest of Valeria. This one looks to be a really interesting take on the Valeria Card Kingdom game. Um, I'm kind of looking forward to playing this one. This one was one that I backed shortly after it had been announced. It sounded really cool. I'm also getting the set rotation for Millennium Blades. Millennium Blades is a game that we played when it first came out. We haven't played it much since then. So I'm going to have to try to take this one down to the game store with me and get people to play this one a little bit more with me, especially with the set rotation coming out. I mean, I haven't even played with all of the cards in the base box yet. There's just so many damn cards in that game. Uh, so set rotation will be kind of interesting to play with Millennium Blades set rotation to see what that offers into the game. But that is it. Those are the games I played for the week, and those are a few games that I want to play. So as always... Send me some emails. Let me know what you're playing now. You can send those emails to what I'm playing now at gmail.com. You can also join us over on BoardGameGeek. We have a guild there, guild number 2440. Join us in some conversations over on the games you're currently playing. On Twitter, you can follow me at what I'm playing now. Don't forget to drop the G like I always say. On Facebook, just do a search for what I'm playing now. Our Google Plus page is plus.google.com slash the plus sign. What I'm Playing Now podcast, and then as always, our Twitch channel is twitch.tv slash what I'm playing now. Hey, everybody, thanks for joining me for another podcast. Everybody knows what they need to do. Go out there, play some games, and then let me know what you're playing now. Until next week, I will try to get more games played so I have more things to talk about. But until then, have a great week, and I will see you later. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.